fellow dance world junkies. My name is Kim Coates and this is Dance With Me. I have been a dancer. I've been a dance mom, a teacher, choreographer, and director, uh, multiple studios. Um, and now I'm a competition owner. So if you enjoy everything dance, this is a great place for you. This podcast is going to be a great outlet for choreographers, instructors, dancers, and parents, and of course, judges. And it's going to cover everything dance. Each podcast will bring new ideas, fresh outlooks on the dance world, how it's evolving, and where we want to see it continue to evolve. It's going to interview amazing choreographers who may be famous or maybe should be famous. It's going to go into the minds of incredible judges and cover some of the aspects that drive them towards a high score or a choreography award. And we'll cover dancers too in their journeys to become outstanding performers, where they draw their, their inspiration, sorry, and who they have to thank for their journey. If you're interested in being guest on our show, please email us at dancewtme2 at gmail.com and leave us details on what you have to offer our listeners that can maybe give them an edge in their careers. I look forward to starting this journey with you all and learning so much. So uh, let's move on to our first guest. Hello and welcome back to Dance With Me. This is uh, December 8th, 2020, and we have with us today a uh, recognized choreographer and adjudicator who has also been a dance mom and teacher and studio director. So lots of good information going to be coming here today. And with us we have Jill McCartan. She's from Ottawa, Ontario. Hi, Jill. Hi, Kim. How are you? I am great. So, Jill, tell us, when did you start dancing? Well, I started dancing when I was three years old, Kim, in a community center here in Ottawa, and then started loving it, and my mom then put me into a actual dance studio where I started dancing some jazz, some tap, and actually back then, there was baton twirling. Um, so I transitioned actually into baton twirling, and it was a very big thing, and I was lucky enough to be able to compete at like the World Championships. Um, I was actually Miss Madrid of Canada, and then again, I won some World Championships, so I was really lucky. Um, and then unfortunately here in Canada, the baton twirling scene started to sort of die out a little bit, and so therefore I transitioned into dancing, and that's where I love it now, and it's been an absolute joy. Wow, that's really exciting, but really disappointing that it uh, fizzled out like that, because uh, baton twirling is pretty cool. It really was disappointing, and I actually was lucky enough again, Kim, to receive a scholarship, um, a full scholarship actually, to the Boston University for baton twirling. Um, and I was too young. I was actually 16, and I was too afraid to leave home at that point in my career. And you know what? It's a really nice thing, and it is too bad that obviously in Canada it did fizzle out. It's still huge in the States, though, so it's pretty awesome. But again, I found my way through dancing, and I'm loving it. Wow, you're pretty, uh, you've done a lot of really cool things in your life. That's awesome. I have. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what would you say is your favorite genre now? 
Do you have a favorite? Okay. I would say maybe favorite, maybe not. Okay, well, I am now a ballet teacher, um, and I, it's actually quite surprising that I ended up into this genre and loving it and teaching it as my main focus. Um, because again, as a, as a child, I loved the jazz and the tap and the you know the fun music and all of that. Um, and then um, I transitioned to a high school in Ottawa, which was Canterbury High School, actually, which was a performing arts high school, and started to understand the fundamentals of ballet and what it actually did for dance itself. So, um, and then I just knew I, that this was going to be my world. Um, and then I moved to Toronto and went to Ryerson and studied dance and anatomy and the music and so much of the, like, guests of ballet um and i got certified for the red of canada which is the royal academy um and i started to love it so i would say maybe i guess favorite would be my ballet only because it's such a fundamental of the world of dance but again i love all of it as well but definitely ballet for me wow um, I think that um, a lot of listeners will be dancers and, and choreographers, of course, and they might kind of wonder what judges are kind of looking for when they're choosing, like, a special award of some kind. Do you have something in particular that you're looking for that makes a dance kind of stand out special for you? For special awards, I actually... Honestly, when I see something come onto stage that either is a a child just dancing from their heart and just loving it, and it's got a special moment in it, I will gravitate to things like that. And then, of course, there's sometimes that I will. Hello. Okay, sorry about that. We got cut off, but we were talking about special awards with Jill. Go ahead, Jill. So I was kind of reflecting, Kim, that I don't have a set thing that I'm looking for for the special awards. It's just those special moments that either it could be a technical side of things, and I would like to reflect on it. Um, I really love, though, when children dance from their hearts, and really they have that two minutes out there, and the music becomes them. They, they have those special times that I believe that they need to be reflected on. Um, little kids, it's amazing to see them come out and just, you know, give me some awesome skips or give me a special moment and I will find and gravitate to those things. And, and I like to award it. I love to award it. And sometimes, actually, I will, I know, I'll see some stuff going on in the audience of parents cheering for their kids and just being positive. And I've done special awards to parents, just watching competition, just being amazing support systems for their kids. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, nice. Um, is When you're watching dances, I know that you're um, all about technique, of course, being a ballet mm -hmm. teacher and all, but does performance, just like performance, performance, ever outweigh technique for you? For sure. It could, for sure, for sure, because, again, performance quality is actually something that's quite difficult to find as much as technique is. So it's two different sides of the spectrum. So if I see a child there performing it and finding their own, I will absolutely, I will gravitate again to that just as much as I would for technique. So yeah, it can outweigh the technical side of things for sure. I have no problem with that. All right. And when it does come down to technique, what are you looking for in a, in a dancer? I think I, I can 
can really tell those students that clearly are working really hard in their classes because it's muscle memory. So if the student is in their classes and they're really working hard at what their, you know, their teachers are telling them to do, it does come onto the stage because you can't, you can't not point your toes all year in class and then expect that you're going to come onto the stage and have those toes be extended because it's a muscle memory. So for anybody that's listening, so important to really pay attention into those ballet classes and or into your jazz classes for your technique because it does come out on stage. You can't you can't kind of fudge those things. So you got to work hard, and those are the things I'm looking for. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. Wait a minute. Muscle memory is an interesting kind of thing, though, because you have to do something well, I would say, I'm going to use 100 times as, as a number, um, for your muscles to remember how to do it. And if you're on stage and you're performing, then that should be where your mind is at, the performance side of things and enjoying your moment on the stage. And the class step is to get that technique and to get your muscles to remember each movement in specific. And that's where the class and the being on stage are totally two different things. Yes, for sure. Um, there's so many kids that say, Oh, you know, I'm going to smile bigger when I get on the stage or, Oh, I'm, I'm going to do the facial, you know, facials bigger when, once I'm there. But if you're not practicing them in the classroom, they're just going to be a distraction. And sometimes they can cause you to forget what you're doing too. Like forget the dance because you're all of a sudden you're focused on something that you weren't doing in class all the time. Right. I totally agree with you, Kim. So I would tell these students as well, you know what, you have to practice all everything you're going to do on that stage, you need to perform it in the studio and, and perform every exercise that you do perform everything like the eye lines, the, the use of your space, all of those things need to be done in the class so that when you're on the stage, you're right, Kim, like, you can allow your thoughts just to be on the performance side of thing and enjoying the moment because I mean, you've worked hard all year bring it onto that stage and, and take it there. Don't be like, oh, I'll remember exactly what you're saying. I'm going to remember how to smile. I'm going to smile bigger. It typically doesn't really happen. No. It's, it is definitely a distraction for sure. No. You pretty much look exactly the same on the stage as you do as you're dancing it in the class. So it's really important to, to really put all those aspects into it right from the get-go. Oh, Even choreographing the, the facials and so on. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, I get that there's the times you have to transition your choreography. So if I, I choreograph for someone, then clearly I'm going to have some ideas. And it's okay for the student, especially when they're older, to make it their own. You know, they can yeah. they can adjust little things for sure. So is it difficult as a judge to judge fairly and consistently from the first morning dance? We're talking, you know, 8 or 9 a.m., versus the dance that goes on at 9 p.m. at the end of the day? Um, no, again, Kim, because I, I was a studio owner as well as a teacher, um, I understand the importance of making sure that the marks are reflective all the way across the board, whether it, if you start at 7 and it's a five-day competition and it goes to 11 on that fifth day, it is imperative that the judges and myself that you know your standard mark and you ref always reflect on go from your standard mark and stay consistent because again my daughter used to dance and I can't imagine 
her going on at 11 o'clock at night and, you know, a judge being tired and or not sticking with the standard marking and her, I mean, just because she got the luck of the draw and is dancing at 11 o'clock at night, she should still be marked consistently. And I keep that in my mind every time I judge, every single number. It is like I'm judging the first dance of the first day and it must be that way because if not, it's, it's, it's not rare. It's not right. It's not fair. So I'm 100% adamant that everybody has to have their standard mark and stay consistent because if not, yeah, it's not fair, especially that first day, you know, first day, first session. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what comes out there. You need to be what is your standard, not the competition standard, not anybody else, just what is yours. And then you will stay consistent 100%, no problem. Yeah. A lot of judges, I know that they kind of watch the first few dances and and kind of try to determine what the level of that competition is. But when I'm like, you know, creating a schedule, I'm not thinking about that. When I'm putting my first few dances, I might put um, like a lower level dance or usually my first dances, I tend to put like ballet because I feel like it's such a discipline um, genre that it should, you know, they should be able to be up early and, and ready to go with their bun in their hair and, and, and so on, which mm -hmm. maybe is, isn't fair, but no, I, um, I, I, I just find it's the discipline one. Whereas like acro, I won't put first thing in the morning because they need to be really warm and I won't put song and dance early in the morning because they need to, you know, your your vocals aren't quite the same, I don't think, first thing in the morning. That's what I always think of. Correct. So, yeah, I totally agree. So do you, going into a competition, do you look for the level of that competition or do you just have your own standard, what's, you know, what's each level? No, I have my own I mean? standard. And again, because I have so many different hats that I've worn in the industry and I keep reflecting on that, that that's what makes me, I feel, in my opinion, a pretty rounded judge because I do have my own standard and I understand how hard a it is to be a teacher, to be an owner of a studio, to be a parent, to be a dancer. And I recognize all those qualities. So if you put that all into a package, that's where my marks reflect. I understand it. And I always have had my own standard and I would never want to know any of the other judges marks or what's happening because I'm judging how I judge, and it's always, you know, done me really well in this industry, and and I'm pretty proud of how it's all reflected out. It's good, and yeah. I I can always come back to if it, you know if it, if um, a studio owner or a teacher ever had a question on you know why did you mark that on that particular way, I would be able to tell them why in every in every yeah. incident with every single number. I actually remember one time uh, when you judged for me and you as well as another judge came to me and you guys were like, this number was entered, I don't know, I can't remember if it was like as a lyrical, but you guys felt it was um, maybe contemporary or modern or something. But both of you judges came to me and you were like, if it's going to be left as this, then it's going to be marked differently than if they're willing to change it to what you guys felt it was, which I thought was really interesting. I've never had that happen before, but I mean, if you're judging modern, you want to see modern, right? And if you're right. judging contemporary so that like there is a difference. And uh, I thought that was really interesting that you guys did that and took the time and cared enough 
to say this should be in a different category. For sure, and I think sometimes people get confused into what categories are what. And so yeah, just talking about um, the three genres, especially modern, uh, contemporary, and lyrical, kind of being their own thing. Um, I personally think that all three are very different, but um, obviously this choreographer had it in a category that you guys didn't really agree on, so. And I think it's knowledge, right? Um, and I, sometimes I think our jobs as judges, it is, is to provide knowledge, and it's not to tear people down. It's just we're on everybody's side. We're there to pro we're probably saying the exact same thing as the teachers are saying in every class, but yeah, with those different, those especially those three, the contemporary, the lyrical, and the modern, people do need to do a little bit of research on them. If you haven't danced them, then really go and take a look at it. There's like oh, so many different techniques with modern. You know, you've got the Martha Graham, you've got the Limon, you've got so many different techniques there. Um, that doesn't really compare to contemporary and lyrical. In my opinion, you've got, you know, words in the song. You're telling more of an emotional story with the lyrical. So, yeah, do some research to everybody on that. Um, but I think as a judge, Kim, you're right. Like, it's okay to point it out. It's okay to say on on the videos to say, you know what, take a take a look. Don't you know? I'm not going to go against the dancer that's dancing it. It's the knowledge of the teacher or choreographer that's putting it into the different to the different um, groupings or categories. That they have to look into that for sure. It's important, and I, I happily will. You know, talk, again, talk to a, the director of a competition that's running it, and you know what? Go talk to the to the owner of the studio and, and make sure that they have the knowledge the backing to make sure that they're putting the kids in the right categories because it's not fair to the kids. Yeah, it's not, That's our job. You're not just judges for the children, but you're judges for all of us in, in the learning process. 100%, absolutely. And again, it's, it's nice. And I, I guess it's also in our delivery as judges. You know what? We're not there to cut anybody up. We're, we're right. people, and we just want to wanna help everybody out the best we can. Yeah, for sure. So um, here's a scenario for you. What if you can spot like a really great dancer, but the choreography is just not cutting it for you? How do you mark that kind of a dance? Again, well, how would I mark it? Um, yeah, do you do you mark it by the like the dancer? Like, let's say you're not feeling the choreography at all, but you can see right. that the dancer is good. Can they still, you know, score high? Absolutely, they can score high, but I definitely would suggest in their critiques, um, you know, maybe make the choreography a little bit harder, maybe be more reflective of the, the words, the musicality, give some suggestions, you know, to the teacher or the choreographer, you know, that the student has a really high level of technique or has a high level of delivery on that stage. And, you know what, they they're, they are, they need more of a challenge. But again, it's it's in how we deliver it, how we say it. But again, I would never take it out or, or not give the marks deserving to the student on stage because, again, it's all a package and it's a learning and it's how we suggest to, you know, directors or whoever did the choreography, you know what, they can do a little more. And, they you know, this dancer has different different capabilities make sure you reflect on them right I'm gonna pause. so how do you feel as a judge when you hear songs that are used again and again does that affect your choreography or or your marking sorry 
You know what? No, there's definitely the songs of the year that people will definitely use over and over again. But honestly, it doesn't bother me. I, when I'm judging, it's very individual. And if the choreographer has, has made it stylistic for the child and if they bring it true to themselves, then I'm okay with whatever music you choose. Um, but again, just make sure it's age appropriate, clearly. You know, we don't want to have little little ones that are six years old dancing to a song that's reflective of an 18 year old so that kind of stuff just be mindful of that that i want kids to be kids all the time they grow up so quickly to allow them to be kids but i don't mind the repetitiveness of songs by any means no it's fine do you find if there's two dances um with the same song that you not maybe knowingly but you kind of compare it's almost like which one was better um Again, honestly, my judging style, I don't tend to compare. Even if you're in the same group and I have it 10 times, it's individual. So I know where my marking scheme is. I know where my standard mark is. And then I am able to, like, give the student or the dancer exactly the mark that they deserve for their individual performance. And then, I mean, however it washes out in the end of who wins it or who doesn't win it, I actually I'm, I don't judge that way, Kim. Okay. But... It doesn't bother me, again, if, if the choreographer is doing an awesome job and really making it, you know, applicable for the child and the choreography is awesome, I'm going to reflect on that for sure. Yeah. I find that um, um, that the judges are less apt to give, like, a young dancer a diamond versus a senior dancer. Like, I understand that a senior dancer is going to be, you know, more technical and and you know it really can send a nice story or message but mm -hmm. um what about a dancer that's like 10 and they're just like outstanding i mean you can't compare them to a dancer who's you know 18 so right. are you able to like you know judge that child for that age Excuse oh 100 percent. and i like let's bring it even to like little six-year-olds um, again, being a dance teacher and wearing all the, the hats I've worn in this industry, I know how difficult it is to teach little six-year-olds and even underneath that. So, like, let's just talk about marching, having a child march properly, and then let's bring it up to, like, skipping. When I see a little six-year-old on that stage and they're delivering to me a technical skip, I know how hard, A, the teacher works, and B, those motor skills on those little kids is very hard. So I have no problem a six-year-old picking up a diamond and again it's reflective of their age and what technical ability each and every child has at their different age groups so no I don't I have no problem giving the marks where the marks are, where they where they should lay no problem all right but that's really important because I've been noticing that with a lot of the judges because I do own a dance competition. And so I'm, I kind of watch for that. Like when a younger child like really stands out for me on the stage, I kind of watch to see what the marking is like. And I, and sometimes I'm a little bit disappointed because, you know, to me, it's like you're judging that dancer at that moment, at that age. 110. That's always yeah. been my thing, Kim. And yeah. again, I think it's, when you have some judges that, you know, have taught little ones and big ones and, and worn all the amount of hats that, again, I've worn in the industry, you start knowing how difficult, again, going back to what I was saying, I understand how hard it is at every level to maintain different technical sides of things and different emotions and all of that. So when you have a kid that 
has worked in and demonstrating all of those qualities, yeah, don't be afraid. We need to we need to give them the marks they deserve. It's not because they're six and oh darn they don't get a diamond. No, they're six and they did really well and they showed us exactly what they should be doing at that age group. So yeah, for sure, diamond it is all the way. All right, good. So let's say you're judging like a heavier set dancers. Obviously, um, you know they can kick as hard as they can, but they don't always kick as high or jump as high. Um, just due to like their body type. Um, do you take that into consideration? Like they're still giving it their all, but it's just not always going to be executed as, you know, like as high as jumps and so on. Do you know what I mean? I understand. Yeah, I totally understand that. So for me, um, again, teaching ballet, we all have different body types, whether it's for heavier set, whether it's the, the shape of our legs, whether... Um, our arms are differently shaped. We all have different cores. So we all have to adjust differently to our body types. So, like, I understand that if, if a child's going to go up onto a point um, and they have a different set of legs, they have to transition themselves differently. It's different uh, transfers of weight and stuff like that. So whether we're heavier set, whether our legs are differently shaped, whether our bodies are differently shaped, it has no bearing to me. It's you're marked as you're marked. And I think it would be really unfortunate if people are marking because somebody's a heavier set dancer. It has nothing to do with it. Um, if you're going to go out and just love it and it's coming from your heart and you're giving the best technique that you can deliver, then again, it's going to be reflective of my marks. I think it's amazing. And I think everyone should be dancing. It shouldn't matter your body type, your whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We're all human. And I think it's awesome. Everybody should get out, out onto the stage and just love what they do and show us that they love what you do. And again, it's what you put into the classwork. It's what you put into the into the year going up into when you're on stage and that's performance quality. So yeah, that that doesn't reflect anything for me, Kim. It doesn't matter. It's how much hard work you put into it mm-hmm. and how much you love it and you get onto that stage and you just own it. Yeah, because like if I see you know a dancer kick the, and I can tell that they've put everything into the kick, it. It doesn't matter if it's not as high. Do you know what I mean? Like no. it just, it's, it's, did they give it their all? Did they give, did they push themselves to the, to Co- their limits? Correct. And, you know? and did they do it technically correct? Right. If they did it technically correct and I don't see the upper body going down towards the leg and if it's in a turned out position, I need to see the muscles that are supporting the turned out position being worked. So those are the things that are important to me, not the height of the leg. Right. doesn't matter. It's how it was done and how it was done the right, performed the right way. Right. So it doesn't matter to me. So do you have any um, kind of funny stories that have happened when you were judging that you'd like to share? I've had some, first of all, some awesome years. I would say, A, I'm so fortunate to be doing what I love to do. And I think it's important that when I'm on stage that I'm connecting to the children. And I believe over the years I have, and I'm, I'm proud of what I've done, and I'm proud of the people that I've helped mold along the way in the journey of my judging. So some, uh, some cute stories would be um, kind of funny. Just be mindful to some of the dancers or parents out there. We're human, so if we're in the, in the same washroom as you, just be mindful of what you're saying, because I've had some years that I've gone into the washroom on our break, and 
you know, you have some people, you know, chatting in the bathrooms, maybe about the judges or maybe about their own individual opinions. And then I come out and then, oh my goodness, they're caught so off guard because mm-hmm. I've heard a conversation that could have been about me, right? Some other things, um, don't be afraid to say hi to us. If we're walking in the hallway, we're, we're people and we want to connect to you and we want to have... I think more of a person, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a teacher, I'm a mom, I'm all of the above, so it's okay to say hi, it's okay to, you know, to say nice things to us as well, um, and I had some really lovely experiences um, after a dance competition where, you know, parents or directors have come up and have been really appreciative of the hours we put in and the love that we have for it, we really love what we do, it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of work but again to have some positive feedback and to have people be appreciative of what we do is really quite a nice thing so I would tell everybody stay on the positive and we appreciate you and and I hope that they appreciate what we do because we really love it that's for sure Mm -hmm. so I know that you went to um, both a special arts high school and you went to university for dance do you what kind of edge do you think that gives a teacher or choreographer by attending these kinds of schools? For me personally, it was the best decisions I made. Again, going to um, the arts high school was amazing. And then again, continuing it through into Toronto and going to Ryerson was amazing. I had fantastic teachers, but not only that, like we were able to study music and understand how music relates to dance and really getting to it. Not just understand that this is a 2-4 and this is a 3-4, but where did it come from? What country did that music come from? Um, And then, you know, you get into the anatomy side of things, and it's amazing to learn what muscles, what bones, everything that's so related to the dance industry, going into injuries, going into understanding the tracking of the body. It just, in my opinion, it was one of the best things I ever did. And then again, being certified in different avenues and, you know, being ADAPT certified, being RAD certified, all those certifications just kept me building and understanding and learning. And I'm still learning. I still have so much to learn. And and I'm so glad for that because, in my opinion, if you stop learning, then I don't know, it might be time for me to retire at that point, Kim. But all of those different educations and certifications just gave me so much more knowledge but not just the knowledge of it I have the passion of it and I have still the love of it every time that I'm in that studio teaching my kids or if I'm judging um, I still love every moment it's not a job to me it's actually a love to me so I'm very fortunate to again have all of those lovely education and then combined with the other aspects of it I love it. So I tell everyone out there, just keep doing what you love and it'll never be like working a day in your life. And I'm very fortunate for that. Yeah. I say the same thing. Like people say, oh, where do you work? And I say, well, I'm retired. And then I say, well, I do, you know, like have a dance competition and so on, but I don't consider that work. Although it's a lot of work. Don't get don't get me wrong. I don't want people to think that running a competition is easy because it. I am working all year round. But I love every minute of it. When, you know, like people say, oh, I have to make a change in, in the schedule. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, don't be sorry. That's what I'm here for. That's exactly, you know, I love doing it. So it's not a problem at all. And so that we're lucky. And that's in your competition, Kim, because you know what? 
if you love what you do, then it just feeds out into positivity to all the people that are involved in your competition. So yay for you. Yeah. And I always sign, um, thank you for supporting us in doing what we love to do. Because it's true. Oh my goodness. Like there's not a lot of people that get to do a job that they love, but all of us that are in this industry are doing what we love. And and that makes us really lucky. Can We're you imagine? So lucky. Can you imagine going to like a, a regular nine to five type of job? No, and of course we both had that. I mean, Kim, I worked full time at Carleton University for years and years and years, and had a pension and had all my benefits and all of the above. But you know what? I didn't love it, and it came to a decision that I had to make whether it was going to be working nine to five and something. I I liked it, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Or was I going to follow what I love to do and keep? you know, my dream alive. And I did. And I think we both did. So yeah. I'm really glad for that. Yeah. Well, I've had a really uh, fun time chatting with you. Is there anything that you thought maybe you might like to add before we go? Or are you comfortable with all that? I loved it. I loved having this again. This was not any type of work. I loved having this discussion with you. And I would just say to everybody out there, um, follow your heart and work the hardest you can and bring it to the stage and understand that the judges watching you are loving watching you and I don't know thank you for letting me have an awesome job and I I intend to keep going for a little longer that's for sure (laughs) yes hopefully things start looking up for this year oh I'm, Uh. I'm sure there'll be an awesome judging season coming our way it might be a little bit different, but you know what? It's all good. We're all there. We're all in it together. So we'll, we'll make it through it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. I'm sure the viewers will love to hear it. And um, maybe we'll be able to uh, talk to you again in a year or so and see if anything's changed. Amazing. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. So that wraps up this episode of dance with me. Thank you again to Jill McCartan from Ottawa, Ontario, outstanding adjudicator and previous studio owner, dance mom, and choreographer. Um, This week we're going to be speaking with lots of other uh, people in the industry with lots of different topics. I know that we have one about acro injuries coming up. I know we have some... um, episodes of about mental health issues and and we'll get definitely get more adjudicators and I'd like to get some um, some dancers even some parents and I know I have a couple connections to some costume companies that also would like to uh, get some messages out so that'll be really great so stay tuned and make sure you uh, tune in to us and we'll see you next time. Thank you.